Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Father Lord, we just thank you for your word. We give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you for your spirit that is very tangible in this place. Oh Lord, you are awesome in this place. Your presence is sweet. We can feel it. We can touch it. And we are experiencing it. So Spirit of the living God, yet again, speak to us and breathe upon us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can you just help me play? You are awesome in this place. Just play that for me. I believe that God at every time tries to display his love for us. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And one of the things that we see there is whenever God loves, he gives. In fact, like we always say, um, you can say or claim you love someone without gifting them. And uh, many times we get to teach this love of God only from the perspective of God loves you and believe that he loves you and that's okay for you. And while I understand that premise of teaching that God loves you and just believe that he loves you, and no matter all that you are going through, just know that he loves you. That's correct, that's accurate, and that's true. But one of the things that anyone who loves someone genuinely or intentionally would do is to give. Praise the Lord. Say this with me. God is a lover and is a giver. Amen. Did you hear that? Is a giver of life. Is a giver of hope. Is a giver of favor. Is a giver of open doors. Is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. God is a giver. I don't want you to listen to this. I don't know why I started with this, but I don't want you to only experience the aura of God's love and that's powerful but I want you also to experience the God that can take care of you a God that pampers you praise the name of the Lord shout it loud that my God is a giver and is a lover that's what we call in psychology alright let me go in now that's what we call in psychology. I study psychology. Some of you don't know that. So I always try to use my psychological terms in some of these things. And I'm sure it's even way beyond psychology. You must have heard that um, word before, the Maslow hierarchy of needs. Um, please, can you, can you put it up for the sake of those who haven't seen that before? I think I shared that with you guys. Hurry, please. Um, thank you. So we, we have, in the master hierarchy of needs, we have the physiological needs, 
We have the safety and security need. We have the love and belonging, the self-esteem, and the self-actualization need. Now, every human being, right, based on this um, theory, it is shown that every human being has a desire, and it grows from one stage to another stage to another stage, and then you get to the last point, which is actually the self-actualization stage. Now, one of the stages that is very expounded on if you are a psychology student, I'm not, and I'm not teaching psychology this morning, I'm just using it to build a foundation, is this particular stage, which is love and belonging. It's of human, I mean, it's proven that human belongs to be loved. That's why the moment I say, I want to start teaching about love, you know what you do, uh uh-huh. There's just something inside of every one of us that desires to be truly loved and to be really truly cared for. That's why the passing of a loved one does something deep to your heart. That's why when you are, uh, you are in a party or excitement about someone who is, hey, how are you? Ah, the new Manchester people. Good to see you. Uh-uh. Sorry. Let me get back to the word. So, but it's really good to see you actually. I remember when you used to sing. That's good. Michael Araki of Needs. Just stay with me, please. This message is, is so powerful. It actually blessed me myself. Just listening to that reassurance of God's love for me. Praise the Lord. Now, inasmuch as you have all of these needs to be loved by someone or by people, one of the first things that God did for you and I is to first love us before we're even created. Praise the name of the Lord. In other words, God actually speaks all the love languages that you can ever find. Everything. Because he truly wants to show you his love. Now, in context to what is going on right now in the society, that's what I want to teach on today. And I please ask you to give me your attention because the Lord has given me a word for you this morning. Hallelujah. I, I saw something online and they put everyone's salary scale. I'm not sure if you've seen that. So if you earn 150,000 50, naira, um, then you're currently on, how much is that? $100 thereabouts per month. If you earn $500,000, then you are currently on $333 per month. And then if you earn 1 million naira, right, you are actually less than $1,000 per month. Someone posted something yesterday that I saw that the crate of egg is now 4,000 naira, right? And you are surprised about that. And in the midst of all of these things going on, everybody has a silent question. Because you see, 
we are all aware about the fact that when things begin to go like this, it usually is very hard to come down. And I wish I could tell you that by tomorrow morning, everything is going to change. But you know that's going to be a lie. But the Word of God has a solution for us. Especially where is love in times like this is concerned. You see, it is very possible for you to overlook everything that is going on, maybe because you have some money in your bank account. Or maybe you are doing okay, you're doing just fine. And so it doesn't really, really affect you as such. But I tell you the truth, when the chips are really down, you'll see how all of these things converge together and plays a major part in even the things that you truly desire to have. But there is a word from God. There is a balm in Gilead, and there are physicians there. And I want to show you how the love of God is critical in understanding your move, your movement, your directions, your thought patterns in times like this, in difficult times like this. This is why what I want to teach this morning is not just teaching you the love of God and I just stand right here and say, shout it, I'm love. And you say, I'm love, I'm love, I'm love. And then you go back and then you are back home, you know, discouraged, disappointed, unhappy, and then it doesn't have any impact on what I've said to you. You see, when we come to church, there are many things we can say that is correct, but not what we believe. Remember, I've told you that before. You can say things that is correct. If I say, shout it, you are loved, you're going to shout you are loved. That's correct. But that doesn't mean you believe it. How do I know that you believe it? I know you believe it when situations and circumstances arises and you can put it vice versa with what you believe and stand firm in the problem and still declare what you truly believe. Then I know you believe it. But you saying it is saying that you are correct about it but doesn't mean you are believing what you are saying that is correct. Glory be to God. So let's explain the love of God in context to what is going on right now. Praise the name of the Lord. Now let's open our Bible to the book of Numbers chapter 12 and verse 1. Let's start from verse 4. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 4. I'd like us to read Numbers chapter 21, pardon me, and verse 4. I would like every one of us to read this scripture together. Are you there? Can we make it louder? Are you there? Fantastic. Let's go. One, two, ready, and go. And the soul of the people was very discouraged because of the way. Let's take that again. One, two, ready, and go. Next verse. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up from, the, from Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread or water. Verse 6. Next verse. Next verse, we're going all the way to verse 9. Last verse. 
Praise the Lord. Um, can you help me move this down? Amen. You know, one of the worst things that can happen in the life of a man. Stay with me, everyone. One of the worst things that can happen in the life of a man is actually to be discouraged. Someone said something the other day and he said, while I was having a conversation with a friend, he said, to be discouraged is almost worse than death. He said, why? Because he was trying to lay an argument to that and he was saying that the reason why he thinks to be discouraged is worse than death is because when you are discouraged and you are down, you are life experiencing that pain. You are life experiencing that trouble. You are life experiencing that setback. But you, can have, you have no choice but to live with it while you are alive. It said, but if you are dead, the hold of that pain is no longer holding you anymore. Because you can no longer feel that pain anymore. And so he said, to be discouraged is worse than death. Well, I have my own contrary thoughts where that is concerned um, because I'd rather be discouraged and come out of it. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I understood what he was trying to say in context that discouragement does so much to you. In fact, when you are discouraged, there are many things that you would not be able to do. You would always see yourself in the light of what others are seeing, but you will always see yourself in a place of disadvantage. Because discouragement actually operates in your soul. When you are discouraged, your soul, that's what David says, he says, oh my soul, why is my soul downcast? And how does discouragement happen? Discouragement happens when you look at the external findings, external events, things going on outside, and then you interpret that to what is going on within you, and the effect of what is going on outside is then transformed or transferred, pardon me, into your own heart, then it creates a heavy heart for you, and then you begin to get discouraged. Are you aware that any single thing or simple thing can get you discouraged? Oh yes. Think about it this way. At the crossover video while you were praying, God gave you a word. Now, it is two months after, and in your heart, in your mind, God told you that at the end of March, you are going to begin to see the results of the things that he told you about. And now, you are almost at the end of February, and you can see no trace whatsoever. In fact, you haven't even started anything that he told you that you're going to start. You see, that word from God, don't true draw sure, you can get discouraged by that. When you look at the society, when you look at what is going on there, I'm sure there are people under the sound of my voice who probably lost their job maybe this week, maybe last week. And can I just say this? And I don't mean to sound like a false prophet, but it's the truth. It is very possible that in the next two, three, four months, there might be people under the sound of my voice who is going to lose their jobs. Oh, yes. Someone right here under the sound of my voice is dealing with a financial hard time. You have a major project in front of you, you have one million naira to pay to your landlord before tomorrow morning and you have only 25,000 naira in your bank account. You're just going to get discouraged. Discouragement are events created. Sometimes you can do anything about it. You are totally helpless. Look, if you could do something about it, it would not be a discouragement because you would just use what you have to solve the problem. 
But when it comes to discouragement, it's almost as though you are totally helpless. You are all by yourself. You can't do anything about it. The people under the sound of my voice, you are the first child, maybe the last child, or maybe the second child, or the fourth child, whatever child you are, and you have the sole responsibility to take care of five people, including your father, including your mother, and guess what? Including that auntie you never knew anything about until they found your number and they realized that you are doing well and they started to call you to give them money. And then sometimes you are very happy doing all of those things and then you look at your own self, your own life, and it's almost as though you are in the same spot for four, three years and you're thinking to yourself, what then is the good of giving all these good things to people? What is happening to my own life myself? You know, it's interesting also how the devil can make you magnify the very things that is going wrong in your life above the very things that are going right in your life. And that just brings discouragement to you. Are you also aware that you can even be in church on a Sunday morning like this? And when we have the opportunity to get someone to give a testimony, while you are hearing the testimony, everyone is excited about the testimony, putting their hands together for the Lord, that wow, such a great God, such a marvelous God, doing signs and wonders in the lives of people. And you are right there in your mind thinking to yourself, I came to church before this person. How come God is doing it for this person and is not doing it for me yet? Discouragement. Well, some of you watched the Nigerian match last week. I was quoteedly telling you some things, wasn't I, workers? Okay. And I'm sure people had three, four days discouragement. Anything can make you discouraged. Anything. And so the Bible talked about the children of Israel here that they became discouraged. And look at the first thing. Watch me now, everybody. Look at the first thing that they started to do the moment they became discouraged. They started to talk. This is the point of discouragement. Listen to this. Discouragement puts pressure on your heart, on your soul. It puts a pressure on your heart, on your soul, so that you can say something. That's what discouragement does. It puts pressure on your heart, on your soul. Look at what Elijah ha- happened to Elijah. Elijah got to the point and he was doing all this. This was a guy who called fire from heaven. And then one discouragement from Jezebel, he said, Look, what am I still doing here? Just let me die. The pressure on his soul brought out words from his mouth that was negating God's plans for his life. That's what discouragement does. The people on the side of my voice who wish they got married last year because the dollar was friendly last year, and you're looking at the bank account now and saying, how am I going to get married this year? What would take me to, if I'm going to spend $10,000 or 10,000 naira, pardon me, on something last year, if I'm going to do it this year now, it's going to cost me maybe 35,000 naira. And you are just discouraged by that. Just one event. Or you can even be watching the news. And as you're watching the news, you are angry. You know why? You are just hearing one trillion, one billion, one, 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 two. You know, they don't talk anything lesser than that. And you're discouraged. There might be people actually who only need 300,000 naira to pay for a medical bill right now. Right now. And you've looked around all the 10 people in your life, (laughs) including your father, your mother, your sister, everybody, and you cannot raise that money. And then, you're discouraged. I want to talk to those people under the sound of my voice this morning. My message is for you. I know some of you are very good. 
you've never experienced discouragement before. But I can sense in my heart that the quietness in the room suggests to me that most people under the sound of my voice are currently experiencing that. So keep it silent like that. Amen. And so the children of Israel started to speak against God. And this was what happened then. The Bible says, and then God sent forth a fairy serpent and it started to bite them. And then went back to God. Moses went back to God and prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord then gave him a powerful thing to do. What did God tell him to do? Take this serpent and hang it. And the moment you hang it, ask everyone who is bitten by a serpent to look to that serpent. And the moment they look on it, the Bible says they are going to leave. Now think about this. Look, watch me now. If you are sick and you go to the hospital and they want to give you an injection, and the doctor says, look at me, look at me, look at me, and you are terribly sick, would you usually want to look? You're just in discomfort. That split seconds to get your attention is work. But the solution is look at that serpent. I want you to follow me, please, this morning. Look at the serpent. In other words, I just need your attention for a few split seconds to look at the serpent. Think about it. If you have a big saw in your hands, it gives you some discomfort. And usually even when people are not looking at it, you feel like people are looking at it. And you spend most of your time looking at it, yes or yes. Now think about that. What do you think the children of Israel were doing? They were probably nursing their wounds, looking at it. And then you say, I should look at the serpent. The very reason, think about this. I, I want you to follow me closely. The very reason for my pain, I should look on it. This is what God was trying to say here. That the symbol of death would eventually become the symbol of life. Did somebody hear what I said there? <laughs> that the symbol of death, which is the symbol of death in this case, was the serpent. And that that very symbol of death would now become the symbol of life. That very thing that caused death in the first place, caused pain in the first place, would eventually become the symbol of life. Listen to me, everybody. In the word of God, when you read it from Genesis all the way down to Exodus, God is a master at using that very thing that caused pain to use that very thing to become the reason of your joy and happiness and hope. That the symbol of death would eventually become the symbol of life. So God said to them, tell these people to look closely on this. I'll be, I'm coming back to this text, but I just want to join you a little bit in another direction. What then is discouragement? Write this down. What then is discouragement? Two weeks ago, I was in the house and I sat down in the sitting room and my wife came downstairs in, in the night around 11 o'clock or 12, thereabout. And I looked at her and I said, babe, I'm tired. I said, what's, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm just tired. I'm discouraged. And somebody's looking at me and saying, oh, really, P.S., you, you get discouraged as well? 
<laughs> Amen. I said, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm discouraged. Let me teach you something very quickly. When it comes to discouragement, it's a spiritual thing called the spirit of heaviness. And this spirit of heaviness is something that also operates in a society in a season. It is a weight, a spiritual weight. In other words, you can be dealing with your own personal issues, but in a country, in a nation, in a system, in a location that you are, that weight of heaviness is right there. In other words, if it is right there, it can also have a spiritual impact on you beyond what you are also going to by yourself. Does somebody understand what I just said there? The spirit of heaviness. If you look at the society right now, you will see that it is a very strong thing going on there. The spirit of heaviness. So what then is discouragement? Write this down. Discouragement is to be deprived of hope, courage, confidence or belief to be deprived of hope courage confidence or belief are you aware that every time God speaks a word to you it bests hope inside of you the action you take bests faith every word of God comes to you as hope praise the name of the Lord and then the action you take bests the faith for it now the moment hope is tampered with now you understand what abraham said who hope against hope believed in hope the moment hope is tampered with faith is taken away and the just shall live by faith the moment your faith is taken away you can no longer live the way you ought to live how does this thing happen it happens by the devil tampering on hope first so it is discouragement is when hope is deprived when you are deprived of hope when you are deprived of confidence, when you are deprived of belief, you no longer have hope on the subject again. You no longer have hope that these things can happen. Are you aware that there are people under the sound of my voice who you have heard the word of God concerning a situation, but five years after you have not seen the manifestation of that word, now what is going on in your life, you no longer have hope that that thing God told you is going to come to pass. Guess what? In your mind, you are actually seeing God as a liar. But yet, you are still saying Jesus is Lord. Because you no longer have hope. And so one of the things that the devil tries to do is to, 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 to attack God's love for you. And how does he do that? By bringing discouragement to your life. Praise the Lord. Number two, what is discouragement? Discouragement is the inability to find strength to continue the race of life. The inability to find strength to continue the race of life. And someone says, if I have money, I'm not going to be discouraged. I wish. Look, when it comes to the subject of discouragement, it doesn't even have anything to do with if you have money or not. There are times you have everything, yet you are discouraged. Has that happened to you before? Oh, yeah. You can't even explain it. Listen, listen to me. Sometimes people call it, I'm just tired. It's a weight of discouragement. I no longer have hope. I'm no longer happy. A weight of discouragement. Praise the Lord. And so, when you are discouraged, there are some signs you will begin to see. And I want to show you some signs in your life. 
and that's why this message is for you. If you begin to see these signs in your life, then know, best believe, you're discouraged. Number one is that you begin to murmur. You see what the children of Israel did. The moment the Bible says their soul was discouraged, they started to murmur. You start talking about things. Oh, why are things like this? Any simple thing would get you upset. Any little thing would get you unhappy. You just begin to murmur. You just be talking. Oh, I'm not even, I don't even know why these things are going on like this. Every talking point on social media, you are going to have something to say about it. You are just angry with the president. You don't know why. You're just angry. And you wish the last one still remained in the position. The last one. Ah, let's stop joking now. And in your mind, somebody's thinking, only if that person that we all wanted came. Well, I don't want to be political this morning, but are you aware that it's very possible that you are still in the same situation? And guess what? You would have wished the person that is not there now is the person there. So, look, when it comes to discouragement, it's either or sometimes. So you begin to murmur. You can go before the supermarket, go to the supermarket now and say you want to buy something. And the person that is not fighting you, the cashier that they just put there, that is innocent, just came to end our pay. You are ready to fight it. How will you tell me that this thing is that? How will you tell me? Can you be careful like this? You are, you are angry. <laughs> you know what is going on there? Listen to me, everybody. It's a pressure on your soul. Remember what I said to you? Discouragement is a pressure on your soul. It's a pressure on your soul. It's a pressure on your soul. What I want to do this morning is to lift that pressure off your soul. That's what I came to do this morning. It's a pressure on your soul. That pressure is going to get you to talk. That pressure is going to get you to murmur. That pressure is going to get you to see yourself finish. What can come out of my life? What is going on here? Pressure on your soul. It's a strategic attack of the enemy to constantly get you to say something that violates your true belief. Constantly get you to say something that violates what you truly believe. A pressure on your soul. Praise the Lord. So you begin to murmur when you are discouraged. Number two, you will feel a weight of being tired. Tiredness. And some people can't even explain why they are tired. I'm just tired. Okay, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. In psychology, we call it clinical depression. You are sleeping, but you are not sleeping. And usually, those kinds of sleep always produce bad dreams. And sometimes good dreams. And those good dreams, when you are dreaming it, that very thing you are believing for, you will see yourself that it's happening to you. And you are happy that eventually God has done it for you, but it was inside the dream. And then by the time you want to wake up, you will catch yourself that, wait, 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 wait. So this thing is not true. Now I'm back to real life. And somebody say, take me back to my dream. Take me back to my dream. Tiredness. You're just tired. And one of the other attributes you see there is loss of appetite. And some people, when they are discouraged, they eat more. Really? You are here? 
<laughs> I know this message is very simple, but I, I really just wanted to hear the heart of this message this morning. Amen. Loss of appetite, you see that. Loss of sleep. And one of the other things that you're going to see when you're discouraged is isolation. Listen to me. Many people think that isolation is the physical withdrawal from people. A lot of times, isolation is the soul withdrawal from people. Did you hear what I just said there? Yeah. Isolation actually starts out from the soul withdrawal from people. And that's one of the signs that you're going to see that you are actually discouraged. Your soul will begin to withdraw. You see those friends that you have that you always play with, you always talk to, you call them or they will call you, you won't pick sometimes, you want to return the call, not because you want to really miss people's calls, but you don't really have the strength to talk. And people are wondering, why are you not picking my calls? Well, they don't get it, they don't understand it. Why? Because your soul is far away from what is going on with you there. The soul withdraw. And guess what? That's the time people want to get you to talk. But that's the time you don't really want to have anything to say. You don't even have anything to say. There's a soul withdrawal that happens to you. You are completely far away from reality. And what you try to do in that state, unknown to you, is that you want to begin to enjoy your own time alone. Believing and thinking that if I'm able to use my soul to figure out this thing, I'll be fine with them eventually. And guess whatever happens? You never able, you are never able to figure it out by yourself. You're never able to figure it out by yourself. In fact, let me show you something. Please, PD, come. Many times what the devil might do with that is to take your soul on a journey with him by constantly saying to your soul the things that are not true about you. And the more that it looks as though that's your physical reality, you are likely to believe what you see physically and you are continuing in that journey with him because he will continually tell you, do you know that things are really bad and that's why it's only you things are bad for. Are you sure that, are you, I hope you know that it's only you. Everybody can buy that car. Everybody can buy that house. Everybody has a job. In a world of seven billion people, the devil will tell you everybody has a job but you. Everybody can take care of a family but you. Everybody has possibilities but you. Telling you things that are true because when you look at it with your life, you put everything down in the physical reality of things. It's the truth. So you're going to believe what is true. But the Bible says, whose report will you believe? There is a way you have to talk yourself away from that thing that looks true. Are you following what I'm saying? And go back to the reality of though it is not currently being seen in my life, what does the word of God say for me? Listen, let me show you something. Let me go ahead of myself. Let me teach you a very powerful principle the Lord taught me two years ago that has changed my life. That's what I want to go. That's where I'm going to. Listen to me, please. It's the simplest thing. You've heard this before, but I know that the Lord has said it to my heart that's going to touch you in a different way. Listen to me. There must come a time in your life while you are discouraged. Sit down and take the toll of the things God did for you in your past. When everybody said nothing was going to work. Everybody said nothing was looking like it. Sit down and take an archive. This is what it means to build an altar unto the Lord. If he did it before, he can yes do it again. If he did it one time, he can yet do it again. Though it may tarry, though it may look as though things are not walking back, but when the Lord turns again the captivity of Zion, they shall be like them that dream. Are you following what I'm saying? That's how you are in a time like this you must listen I tell you the truth I, I've been a pastor for six years now this is my sixth year doing this I've understood how people can get very hyped when you are listening to a message like this but the real message is you applying the real things to your own self when you face with that situation what has the Lord done for you oh please children of God take it away beyond the song 
Take it away beyond the prayer point. Take it to become a physical thing that you can see. You must have a checkbook in your own hands that you can go back and say to yourself, when I was sick five years ago, the, the enemy gave me no chance. The doctor told me that nothing is going to work. I'm, I have only three more days to live, but yet I'm still standing. Yet I'm alive. And you can see the things that he has done for you. I'm not talking about what you read in a book. I'm not even only talking about what God has done in the Bible. I'm talking about your own perspective, your own experiences what you've tasted what your hands have handled what your eyes have seen and what you have beyond as your own self you can then go back to it and say if god has done this thing for me then he can do it again praise the lord somebody follow what i'm saying this morning thank you And so in the book of John chapter 3 and verse 14, John chapter 3 and verse 14, Jesus speaking here, he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Next verse. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, the cross has become the symbol of God's love towards us. In other words, what God was then doing with the children of Israel in the book of Numbers chapter 21 that we read was to give them a prototype of exactly what was going to happen with Christ. And so he said to them, to Moses, put this serpent and hang it there. And the moment you hang it, let them look at the serpent that is hung. And while they look at the serpent, the ong serpent, the serpent that is ong, every time they look at it, praise the Lord. Amen. Every time they look at it, okay, maybe it's these people here. Every time they look at it, oh, you guys want the word more here. <laughs> every time they look at it, they will begin to leave. And so Jesus then gave an account of that same text in John chapter 3 that we read now. And it was saying that so as Moses put up the bronze serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be armed. And every time we look at him, we will leave. What is this text saying to us? What is the cross? The cross is the symbol of God's love to us. In other words, every time we remember what Jesus did on the cross, with that reality of what Jesus did on the cross, we can live. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. I'm going to read the TPT version. But God still loved us with such great love. He's so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in many sins, He united us in the very way of life, Christ, of, life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. I want us to read this scripture together, everybody. I'm going to stand up to read it. We're going to read Romans chapter 8 and verse 37 all the way to verse 39 in the TPT version. Everyone, please, if you don't mind, can you please rise? 
We're reading the TPT version. I, I want to show you something in the TPT version, and I want you to make it loud, and then I'm going to tell you what you should do. I'm going to give you an exercise that I want every one of us to do today before we leave here. Amen. And on midweek service, I'm going to teach on how to come out of depression, um, discouragement and things like that. But let's read this here. Are you, are you there? Those at the back, can, are you there? All right. A late portion. Let's read together very loud. Everybody, one, two, three, go. Yet, even in the midst of all these things. Hold on, hold on, hold on. When, when I do this, read with me and read for me and together. What I actually want you to do is for you to preach the word to yourself. Look at me. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you that exercise, what we're going to do. So when you get back home, you tell your people that you preached in church today. Amen. Yet, even in the midst of all those things, all with things, scarcity, all with things, lowly, I am so lowly, even in the midst of that, amen. <laughs> in the midst of all those things, in the midst of famine, in the midst of scarcity, look at what the Bible says. It says, we watch triumph over them. Over them what? <laughs> is anyone left behind? No. Is something left behind? No. Over everything, every single thing we triumph over it all. Amen. Amen. Alright, this is what I'm going to do today. When we read at one point that there's heat, I'll tell you to pause. Then you preach to yourself. Can you do that? Yes, Can you preach to yourself? Yes, Tap somebody, say, I'm anointed to preach. Yes, Tap another person, say, I'm anointed to teach. I want to teach you how to teach to yourself. Listen, this is what the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. You must be able to talk yourself out of that thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? You talk yourself out of that depression. You talk yourself out of that discouragement. You talk yourself out of that financial crisis. You talk yourself out of that hope that is no longer existing in your life. You talk yourself out of it by the word of the Lord. Glory to God. So let's start again. One, two, three, go. All right, pause them. Speak to yourself. Talk to yourself. Don't pray. Don't pray. I triumph. I triumph. I triumph. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't pray. I triumph. I triumph. I triumph. No. Talk yourself. Talk yourself. <laughs> I'm triumphant. Oh, glory to God. All right, let's go next. One, two, ready, go. For God has made us to be more than what? And as what demonstrated love. Oh, go to the next verse. I want to show you the next verse. Oh, I love this one. One, two, ready, go. Wait, 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 wait. Financial crisis is in the universe. Marital problem is in the universe. Scarcity and lack is in the universe. Glory to God. Tell me, which other problem do you have? It's in the universe. Look at what the Bible says. It says, so now I live with what? That there is nothing. Somebody said nothing, 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 nothing. With the power to separate us from God's love. Oh my God. Next one, he says, let's go. One, two, three, go. He says, I'm convinced that his love will triumph over that life's troubles, 
fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances. Hold on. We're not only talking about the present time. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time shall not be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. We are not only talking about this present time. We are also talking about a kind of love that goes beyond any dispensation ever existed. Not just today, not just tomorrow, not just next tomorrow. That's why I love that song that says, I know me sorrow. I, I really I really love that song it's not just today it's not just yesterday it's not just tomorrow even the tomorrow that has not created before that is not tomorrow that is not yet tomorrow that is not yet tomorrow 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 next tomorrow next tomorrow next tomorrow nothing can separate me from that kind of love hallelujah you know what I'm trying to do right now I'm trying to get that hands of pressure off your life I'm trying to get that hands of pressure off your life. Praise the name of the Lord. Because you see, this is the problem here. You are snared by your words. And whenever you get under pressure and you begin to talk, you handicap yourself by what you say. And that's why many people have sowed a lot of seed that has gotten to the point of their life. I remember very well, Kenneth Copeland shared a very powerful story. Listen to this. This will will truly bless you. He said his mom was sick. And then he went to God and he laid hands on her, prayed for her, did everything he knew to do. She was old though. And then one day he went to the Lord, closed the door and started to pray. And said, God, I've laid hands on people, they've gotten healed. What is going on with my mom? And while he was praying, the Lord told him and showed him a vision. And the Lord said to him, what has happened is that your mom has laid too many wrong words on the ground. And the law of seed time and harvest is real. The challenge is that she has said too many wrong things that has negated her journey where her health is concerned and now she's only reaping the harvest of it. It says what you are going to do is then you have to cry mercy on her behalf because of the words that she has laid down on herself. These things are spiritual truth. They're spiritual principles. What we say, don't say things when you are pained. Don't say things when you are angry. Don't say things when you are going through a tough time. We are not saying it so that you can look as though you are a lazy person or you don't know how to react back. That's not what we are saying. So that you don't go and say something that handicaps you in the future. Glory to God. Did somebody get something what I'm saying there? Somebody say, say with me in the name of Jesus. I'm convinced about this love. Next verse, verse 39. This is the last verse. Let's read together. One, two, ready, go. All right. Hold on there. Hold on. Look at the person beside you and preach this thing to the person beside you. Like, explain it to the person, everybody. No, wait, 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 wait. Don't recite it. Don't read it. Explain what you understand by this text to the person. Everybody.
Have you done that? Job chapter 14 and verse 7. Job 14, 7. We're going to read together. Job 14, 7. Job. The book of Job chapter 14 and verse 7. Not Joshua. Job. Praise God. Amen. Say after me, my soul. Hear the word of the Lord. Peace. Right now. Say it one more time, my soul. Hear the word of the Lord. Peace. Right now. My soul. Receive the hope of God. Wow. Say it one more time. My soul. Receive the hope of God. You know, I, I just saw something in the realms of the spirit now, and I saw people's hearts beating again. Say it very loud. Soul. Hear the word of the Lord. Receive the hope of God. If you don't have hope, you don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you can't live because the just shall live by faith. Somebody say, I have that hope now. I'm confident of this very thing. That he that has begun this good work will complete it. Now, many times when people read that text in the Bible, they are thinking of this good work from the outside, which is you are looking for what is that good work that he has begun. And you are thinking in my life, I can't see any good work that he has begun. No. When the Bible says he that has begun this good work, you are the this. And you are the good work he has begun. Are you hear what I'm saying? Stop looking at the externalities. As long as you are alive, you can produce everything that you want in the external. He that has begun this good work shall complete it. Amen. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Job. Job chapter 14. It says, let's read together. Everybody want to ready go. For there is hope for a tree. If this cut down. Verse 8. Though his roots may grow hold on the earth. Oh, verse 9. Yet at the saints of water. Somebody said there is hope, there is hope, there is hope, there is hope. Hey! What is the saint of water there? It's the love of Christ. At the saint of that water, it can come back again. Not it can, it shall come back again. Hallelujah! So I want to show you a practical exercise that we're going to take now. Bring out your writing material, everybody. A notepad and a pen. And I want you to journey into your life. Please, everybody. Everyone, please, please do this exercise with me. I beg you, everybody. Everybody. 
and I want you to write. Okay, let's sit down. My time is up, so I have to. Let's sit down, please. Oh, somebody say God loves me. Assure me. Assure me. I, I might not be seeing it right now. Oh, but there's surely there's an end. This expectation will not be cut short. I want you to do this for me, everybody. Two columns. Practical exercise. Write down all the things you can remember that God has ever done for you. Write it down. <laughs> I want to show you something. Anything you can remember he has ever done for you. Oh, you remember you were growing up and they told you that you had a car accident but you did not pass. Write it down. Oh, you remember that you had typhoid and then you got healed. Write it down. Oh, everything is done for you that you can remember. Write it down. Then, another column, everything that you are believing for that he has not yet done for you. Write it down also. That thing that is causing a discouragement in your life, put it on the other side of the column. You know, like, um, like a table, if you can put it like a table. You know how we do in, in, in primary school, then how we do word and opposites. That kind of a thing. So you draw a line like that. Let's do that exercise quickly, please. Heidi. I need a drummer, please. You know the song? Yeah, she's going to sing it. Just do that. She's going to sing a powerful song. I, I was watching a video yesterday. Um, I don't even know how I stumbled on that video. Um, the song she sang, um, Pastor Nathaniel Bassi featured on. And that song really just blessed me listening to it again and I just want her to sing that song um, while you are doing that exercise and um, we'll close with that all right I did go ahead so please keep writing everybody oh, my victory is in your blood oh my confidence is in your name yeah, you took the shame so I can shine. Yes. Oh, so much you did without a prize. That's why we sing. Just a lovely song. <laughs> oh, this is the story of our days. 
Do you believe that in the house this morning? Hey, we're the products of your grace. Hey, we won't be here without your love. That's what we sing. Lift your voice and say, Ashe, 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 Ashe. I just want to thank you for your love, for the perfect sacrifice you made for us. anything as you were writing what did you observe talk to me what did you observe did you observe that you 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 have written more things is done for you than more things is not yet done for you did you observe that did you remind remember why you were writing maybe one out of many and you couldn't write the next one because like wow God actually did this you know did you did you get a moment like that were you able to see his true power all of this at the end of the day is pointing to one thing is love that he gave you something that he opened the door for you that he opened the situation up for you that he brought you out of a circumstance when you were sick, he healed you. When you had nothing to do, he raised you. At the end of it all, you can see his love. Remember how I started? I said, God so loved the world that he gave. Every time he shows his love, he gives. Did you see at the end of it all that he done this many things for you? Now, please put it side by side for what you are believing for. What is that compared to what he has done? Can you surely then see now that, that the things that you are believing for, is eventually going to do these things for you. They are not in compared. 
in any form, shape or way. That's why we say, if God be for us, who can be against us? If he then be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father, scripture says. What manner of love has the father bestowed upon us that we may be called the children of God? What manner of love? It's pointing to one thing, the cross. The price. All the way back at the, at the in Numbers. God was already orchestrating the redemptive plan, showing them a prototype of what Christ was going to come and do. Only for you to look. That's what I wanted to do for you today. I wanted you to just look at the cross. Oh, you didn't get what I said there. The things he's done for you is a symbol of the cross. I wanted to just look at the cross so that you can leave. Is somebody leaving now? Is somebody leaving now? Is somebody leaving now? Is somebody leaving now? Have you seen what he has done for you? Can you rejoice that he's going to do much more? Don't be discouraged. At the scent of water, this tree is coming back to life. Take your eyes off the economy. Take your eyes off all the things that is not working and focus on all the things that has worked. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Heidi, we're going to sing this song together. Media, if you have the lyrics, I'd like you to put the lyrics on the screen so that everyone, please be seated if you want to sit down. If you want to start, it's okay. I want you to sing it with the lyrics and we close. Praise the Lord. Oh, so let's start from verse 1. Oh, yeah, my victory is in your blood. Oh, my confidence is in your name. Yeah. You took the shame so I can shine. Yes, yes. Hey, so much you did without a prize. That's why we'll say, Love. 
say, what can we say but give you thanks? What can we say but give you thanks? That's why we Hallelujah. Can you for 10 seconds just say thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're grateful as a church. We're grateful, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Somebody said amen. Amen. 
Hallelujah. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much He wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in His presence.